Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to Streetwise, the podcast companion to The Pitch, covering Kansas City's best, worst, and everything in between. I am your host, Brock Wilbur. I'm the editor of The Pitch here in Kansas City. You might be wondering why you are subscribed to a podcast whose name you do not recognize. Uh, under our previous editor, David Hudnell, it was called City Rag. Uh, under me, it's called Streetwise. New people, new name. That's about it. Uh, we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, going to be covering some local goings-ons about town. Uh, going to be covering some music that's local as well. Uh, going to be interviewing a local business person. Everything's going to be pretty local, I'm realizing now, because that's... Uh, Kind of our jam. Wanted to reach out and say, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, not going stir-crazy. Uh, I'm in my basement trying to keep it together and not drink too much. So that's that's how it's going here. Uh, what else is going on in our fair city? Well, uh, last night there was a freeze warning, and the day before it was 83 degrees, and this happened uh, over the weekend as well. So something's up with the weather. I think it's drunk. That is a problem that we all have to face, but also... Uh, when it's very, very cold out, people stay inside, and that's that's good right now. Uh, so I'm not gonna not gonna fight against that. Uh, Screenland Theaters is a local business. A couple of movie theaters, uh, very very important to our community, and they shut down almost first, uh, almost before anyone else in town. Uh, and they will be some of the ones that are having the biggest hardest time coming out of this on the other side, because even when this is over. No one's going to want to go sit in a very small enclosed space with a lot of other people. So their ramp up back into business is going to be tough. We don't want to lose them. Uh, and so they've been figuring out ways for their community to support them via Patreon and putting on a lot of interesting, cool events, which also, by the way, if you rent movies through their website, movies that were supposed to come to their theater, uh, the distributor has made an arrangement to allow all of the profits from those movie rentals to go directly to them. So you're basically buying a ticket to their movie theater. If you've never gone to Screenland, this would be a perfect time to support them. Anyway, I'm bringing it up because uh, through their Patreon community, they've been doing these watch parties and, and all sorts of other fun, wacky things to, to keep everyone involved and, and loving and supporting movies. And last night, they did something that caught uh, some national attention. Here's the thing about the latest Star Wars movie, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Uh, originally, it was going to be made by a guy named Colin Trevorrow. He's a director, writer. He was all set to go. Uh, Disney and him didn't see eye to eye, and he got fired and replaced with J.J. Abrams, who made the episode nine that we've all suffered through now. Uh, anyway, it's it's been a while. Uh, people were sort of wishing that they could see what the other version of it was. And last month, somebody possibly Colin Trevorrow, leaked his script to the internet uh, so, so people could see uh, what, uh, what, what could have been the end of uh, that Star Wars saga. Uh, and last night, the community uh, from Screenland got together on a video chat and did a live reading of the entire script. It's three hours long. It's very, very good. And they have a very funny time with it. Uh, we have it up on our website right now. I strongly encourage you that if you are any sort of sci-fi movie buff person, uh, please check it out. Maybe throw them a couple of bucks in the process. Uh, it's it's really good. Anyway, uh, Colin Trevorrow uh, noticed and is now very excited by it and has seen it. So uh, Colin Trevorrow has seen the one and only production of his Star Wars movie that there ever will be. Uh, so that's sort of exciting and we're, we're definitely uh, excited for them. Uh, in political news, uh, we've got uh, a tricky problem, which... Boy, is our city having plenty of tricky legal issues around the stay-at-home orders and so on and so forth between 
mayor's orders and governor's orders and living on the state line. Anyway, in Kansas, the governor issued a, a, a proclamation that uh, on Easter Sunday, you can have a religious ceremony, but it can only be limited to like 10 people in a space because we don't want to keep spreading a deadly disease that, that kills people. Um, and then uh, Republican lawmakers overturned that on Wednesday uh, because they thought it was a violation of, of religious rights. Uh, and uh, just because the police aren't going to arrest you does not mean that you should do a thing. I want to be very clear on that. The longer that you go out, the longer we all have to stay in. Please do not go to church on Sunday. I know my church has had streaming video for 15 years. There's church on TV. There's a lot of ways to celebrate your faith without risking dying or killing other people. Kind of important, kind of important. That's our big push. Anyway, today I'm going to be reading a story, uh, one of our feature stories from the most recent issue of The Pitch. It's called Casey's Sprawling CBD Empire. The science is still out, but the profits are rolling in. Written by Barb Shelley. Kansas City might be one of the most crowded CBD markets in America. Its leading retailer, CBD American Shaman, might be the world's second largest seller. And all of this cannabis oil might make us calmer, better rested, and less achy. Or... Maybe not. As with most of the claims circling around the burgeoning wellness industry, it's kind of hard to know for sure. A couple of weeks ago, I waded into the local CBD market. It's a murky pool. So I focused on two questions. Why is there so much CBD in Kansas City? And does the stuff work? For background, CBD, like the high-inducing THC, is found in the cannabis plant, of which one strain is hemp. In the 2018 Farm Bill, the U.S. Congress removed many of the restrictions of, on the sale, transport, and possession of hemp and its products, as long as the hemp doesn't contain more than three-tenths of a percent of THC. That opened up a universe of possibilities which Kansas City has embraced in a big way. My first stop is Green Grove, which I chose partly because it is the first CBD shop to crack the rarefied environs of the Country Club Plaza. Like other CBD shops I've visited in Kansas City, Green Grove has a spa-like vibe with candles, plants, and kombucha on tap. Two big dogs are playing in the store when I arrive. The owner, Mike O'Hara, introduces the Golden Retriever as Hurley and the Golden Doodle as Finley. At age 12, Hurley is an avid CBD user, he says. From perusing Green Grove's website, I know O'Hara describes himself as a lifelong entrepreneur. He started an insulation company in his 20s, which he sold in 2017, and went looking for the next big thing. I wanted to do something that would build culture, have a positive impact, O'Hara says. That really checks all the boxes. Plus, it's a lucrative business. It's set to grow substantially over the next couple of years. I am curious as to how someone gets into the CBD business. Do you need some sort of training or certification? You don't, O'Hara says. You find your own way. We toured several manufacturing facilities all over the country and chose the best ones we could find, he says. That was about a six-month process. According to its website, Green Grove uses proprietary technologies, including nanoemulsion, which basically breaks down the size of the hemp particles to enable better absorption. Later, I will see other CBD companies in town use similar verbiage to promote their products. O'Hara says the bulk of the business is internet and wholesale. He opened his store to, quote, give us a name and a face, end quote. Squeamish about hemp, Plaza Management turned him down seven times before agreeing to lease him a space at 340 West 47th Street. CBD can be consumed in a variety of ways, and Green Grove supplies most of them. Tinctures, soft gels, vape, tropicals, and gummies. O'Hare says he is partial to the gummies, and he pops a couple when he needs to feel calm and focused. 
The store offers samples, so I try a raspberry lemonade gummy. I'm not sure what it does, but it tastes delicious. Like so much about CBD, its healing properties are up for debate. Because of the scarcity of research on humans, the market is racing wildly in front of scientific evidence. That said, some studies do support claims that CBD, in high enough doses, can help with anxiety, insomnia, and chronic pain for some people. And although the FDA warns of a host of side effects, especially when CBD is taken with other drugs, for most consumers, the biggest downside is the price. Medium-strength tinctures run in the $60 range in Kansas City, and I spotted a higher-selling bottle for $300 in one of the shops I visited. Tropicals are also in the $60 range, and a month's supply of med-strength soft gels costs about $85. Products that purport to contain CBD are now available everywhere, from boutique stores to gas stations. It, it supposedly can be found in coffee, cupcakes, cosmetics, even leggings, and there is no guiding authority for letting consumers know what they're getting. You have to study up on how to read the labels, and be aware that the labels aren't always accurate. The best tip is to only purchase CBD products that come with a COA, a Certificate of Authenticity, which means the product has been tested by an outside lab. Consumers can get test results by scanning a QR code with a smartphone, or find them online. The test should reveal whether or not the product is accurately labeled its cannabinoid profile, and the presence, if any, of heavy metals and pesticides. What the consumer needs to be aware of is not all this stuff is created equal, says Zach Allen. There, there are lots of bad actors out there. Allen is the co-founder of Hemp House, which has a store at 1708 West 39th Street. He started using synthetic THC products more than a decade ago to combat the side effects of cancer treatments, and he is a true believer in the value of CBD. When I make a random stop at Hemp House, I find Alan also brings his dog to work, an adorable 10-year-old poodle named Daisy. Daisy has separation anxiety, and Alan carries her tucked under his arm the entire time I am in the store. If he needs to leave her, he usually calms her down with CBD first. Hemp House doesn't sell under its own label, but retails name brands like Anata and Puffin Hemp. I look around expectantly for the gummy samples, but Alan says he doesn't carry them. He's marketing a health product and doesn't want to spoil it with sugar and chemicals. Okay, I respect that. Hemp House is a serious business with a devoted customer base. Perhaps his biggest challenge, Alan tells me, is standing out in the crowd. It's insane, he says. There's more hemp per capita in Kansas City than any other place I'm aware of. Even Dillard's has gotten into the hemp business, Alan notes. The department store, I ask? Yes, Alan says. Freaking Dillard's. I check and see that Dillard's is indeed selling a line of cosmetics with CBD. But by far the biggest reason for Kansas City's saturated market is its location as the headquarters of CBD American Shaman. Everyone has seen those stores with the multicolored feather-like emblems. They're tucked into strip malls and along the streets of business districts, more than 300 around the nation and at least 30 in the greater Kansas City area. The stores are franchises of the company... The stores are franchises of the company that Kansas City and Vince Sanders founded just four years ago. He purchases hemp from farms in Kansas, Kentucky, and Montana, and manufactures CBD products in a facility on Southwestern Boulevard. As the company grows, it is experimenting more with specialty products, including a new supplement, CB Nights, that supports a healthy sleep cycle, as Sanders puts it. American Shaman is a privately held company, but Sanders tells me he recently opened up the books to Brightfield Group, a market intelligence firm for cannabis industries, and he's expecting rankings to be released very soon. I believe we're going to be number two in the world. Number one is going to be Charlotte's Web, Sanders says. We should know in 30 days. That would be news if it happens. Less surprising is Sanders' affirmation that he, too, thinks that Kansas City CBD market is saturated. 
It would be pretty difficult to find a decent spot here to make a living, he said. What's kind of sad is it's because it's a cannabis product and you have all this green rush mentality. People think all I've got to do is open a store and the money's just going to be there. I hate to see anybody lose their life savings or go out of business, but that's really what you're settling yourself for. Those remarks will likely induce guffaws in Kansas City's CBD community, where many people view Sanders as a ruthless giant looking to snuff out the independents, especially those who try to break away from his empire. As KCUR detailed in a story last year, Sanders has been known to exact revenge on sellers who try to go out on their own by beating them to the punch on trademarks and opening franchises in close proximity to their business. Sanders is unapologetic about the complaints. American Shaman invests a lot of money in recruiting, training, and promoting its franchisees, he tells me. To then use that expertise against the company is regarded as an act of aggression. We just say, okay, now you're a competitor, we'll beat you, Sanders says. The giants of the industry, like American Shaman, may eventually overtake the market, but for now, even in Kansas City, there seems to be a spot for entrepreneurs and true believers. The final CBD store I visit is the Mothership franchise of Hemp Haven at 20th and Main Street in downtown Kansas City. It's a great industry, and I'm very blessed to know the people, says Danielle Friedrich, a co-founder. Friedrich says CBD saved her after a tsunami of life crises stuck when she was in her 29. Friedrich says CBD saved her after a tsunami of life crises struck when she was 29. I lost my sister, went through a divorce, and I found out I couldn't have kids in a very short time, she says. She took CBD to control anxiety and panic attacks and swears by the results. Friedrich and her partner, Jay Humfeld, decided to quit their day jobs and go all in on CBD. They grow their own hemp on two farms in Missouri. We're learning about the plant before it ever gets to oil, Friedrich says. Hemp Haven has hired a nurse to educate customers and franchise owners. Besides the Kansas City store, it has six franchises operating at the moment. Friedrich says that the market here is the most saturated I've ever seen, but she sees it becoming better, if not necessarily bigger. I think the dynamics of the industry are changing, she says. At first, everybody jumped. Now people are getting more educated. I love this industry, and I love helping people. But does CBD help people? It's difficult to spend time with someone like Friedrich and not come away thinking that I can. As for myself, I purchased a little trial packet of two hemp soft gels at Hemp House, popped one before bedtime, and slept blissfully through the night. And I rubbed some topical solution from one of the American shaman franchises on my left thumb joint, which has been giving me trouble. It felt good for about a day. Maybe those things would have happened anyway, but they did coincide with my CBD experimentation. After my visit to Green Grove, where I sampled a gummy and some oil, it struck me that I was feeling, as O'Hara had predicted, quite calm and focused. With an unexpected burst of energy, I drove to the self-serve and washed my car. Was this a CBD rush or just the effects of a rare burst of sunshine back in those innocent days before life as we knew it got canceled over the COVID-19 virus? To repeat, it's kind of hard to know for certain. To repeat, it's kind of hard to know for certain when it comes to CBD. But I'll probably be back for more. Again, that was by Barb Shelley. Uh, excellent piece of reporting for uh, The Pitch. Uh, now we're going to cut to a little music break uh, with Nick's Music Corner. Uh, Nick Spacek is our music editor, and almost assuredly we will come up with a better name for it than Nick's Music Corner. This is our first episode, kind of winging it. I'm going to hand it over to Nick Ray. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, the music editor of The Pitch, and I'm here to bring you my music pick of the week. For this installment, I've chosen Lounge Suppressant, the final of four songs on Rooftop Vigilante's newly released Party Animal 7-inch. 
While not a physical release, this digital collection of four songs, released in mid-March on Bandcamp, will take you right back to Lawrence Nights a decade ago when you were young and attractive and could drink PBR until the early hours of the morning. Recorded ten years ago during the time the band was a going concern, these songs are a blast of energy from the garage rock foursome, and it's a shame that they've been hidden until now. That goes double for the final track, Lounge Suppressant, which is equal to anything on Carrot Atlas or Real Pony Glue. The way everything drops out to have Zach Campbell sing, I'm not for sure, but you really creep me out, before Seth Weiss's drums, Hannah Hyde's organ, and Oscar Gwynn's guitar come roaring back. Absolute perfection. Check it out. my interview with Stephanie Carey. Uh, this was sort of a big get. Uh, I got in touch with her because she is uh, my boss. She is one of the co-owners of The Pitch. And as we are restarting this podcast and reintroducing ourselves to Kansas City, I thought everyone might like to know the story of how The Pitch came about, how uh, Stephanie and her husband Adam came to own it, and uh, just how wacky they can be. Uh, here's my interview with Stephanie Carey. I'm talking now with Stephanie Carey, the co-owner of Carey Media. Stephanie, how are you? Well, you know, I'm as good as it gets right now. I, I don't know how to answer that question anymore. Normally we uh, get to see each other around the office because you own the pitch, uh, but we haven't gotten to see each other in, in nearly a month now. Uh, and also, I should denote for audiences, obviously uh, interviews are going to have things like barking dogs in the background for a while now because we all have to be on the internet to do them, and it's garbage. <laughs> yes, and that is my one of my dogs. Both of them will start barking at some point. My husband took them out. The other owner of Carry Media has taken the dogs to the back patio, which is as far away from me as they can get in this situation. I, uh, as, as long as we don't reach the point where Adam starts barking, we should be fine. Well, I can't promise, but we should be okay. Uh, so tell uh, us what it is... What it, Tell the listeners uh, how you came to own the pitch. Well, 
uh, somewhat long story short, I worked in local media consulting and software sales for about a decade. And one of the groups I carved out my own niche in was the Association of Alternative News Media. Honestly, I didn't make much money from those guys, but that wasn't the point. The point was I loved them, like loved them to a level that was probably and is probably not a healthy thing for a human being. But as a journalist, I just loved everything they stood for. I loved that most of their publications were still independently owned and operated. I loved that they hadn't had to succumb to the big corporatization of local media as most of my other clients had. And I especially loved how scrappy and willing to try anything they were. And probably most of all, I loved that they had unlimited booze and usually marijuana at their conferences. So it was just a really great group of publishers and uh, found myself one night at the bar a couple of Tito's deep and told a group of people that I was standing with that I would love to own my own local media company today or in some day, someday, not today, someday, keyword, someday. Uh, I also that would have been a wonderful demand. So, yeah, now. Right now. That's a, that's a good one. At the Washington, D.C. bar. <laughs> and I, I may have also said that I loved the pitch, and like there was probably a lot more rambling that went on in that conversation. But the next week, the CEO of the company that owned the pitch, which was a company called Southcom based out of Nashville, Tennessee, he called me and asked me if I was serious about my desires own the pitch and uh, I wasn't sure if I was or not you know because there were a lot of things to figure out but luckily we, my we should hope that no one uh, ever holds us to bear for the things that we have said on Tito's exactly uh, also Tito's except please... in this one kind when it this one time where it went well <laughs> <laughs> well I was gonna say also please sponsor this podcast Tito's if you're listening <laughs> we'd love to have you um <laughs> I will only drink Tito's, I promise you, if you did that. Um, yeah, so luckily I have an amazing husband and partner, Adam, who really believed in that we could do it and was all in, like from the day, from day one, it was all in. I have to say, we could not have done it without him. Both of us had to be all in or it would never have happened because it was a series of about seven months of events that was just up and down and up and down and sideways and there were banks and there were lawyers and it was just, you know, a lot. But when the clock... It feels like it must be difficult to approach a bank uh, circa 2017 and say, hey, we'd like a lot of money because we want to get into print journalism. It, it is a lot of work. And I will tell you that um, there were many, uh, an SBA lender who promised us the world, the moon, the ocean, all of it, and then two weeks later would come to us and going, yeah, see, the SBA doesn't like newspapers. So uh, it was it was a lot. Definitely a lot. So it happened at, when the clock struck midnight on 2018, we became newspaper owners, and that began our time at the pitch. I did not know that you had such a fun New Year's Eve. That's really cool. Um, so it, I, I suppose the biggest takeaway from this, and it's usually the one-sentence version I give of, of the origin story of you coming to own this, is that uh, w you wouldn't own this paper without getting uh, blackout drunk. Uh, and that feels like the only way that the owner of the pitch should behave. Like, it's, it's the perfect origin story. For, yes. for what we are and what we do. Yes, sometime I will send you the series of Snapchat videos I filmed in my room later that night with the zebra filter 
and oh my God. you can enjoy that because uh, you don't have enough of me in your life. You need that as well. I uh, I realized that we we left out perhaps the most important important part of your story, uh, which we should go back and, and catch here. Which is, uh, would you please tell us the names and descriptions of your dogs? Oh, okay. I have... it's an audio medium. This podcast thing, people are going to want to see. Uh, know what they they should see in their head about both of these beautiful creatures. <laughs> well, I have a corgi. He is about six years old, and he is very cranky and doesn't like anyone coming to our house or our door. And that now extends to when we can be in the office to the office door. Uh, I also have a an opposite spectrum of a dog, both in looks and in personality. This is Franny, and she is a coon hound, otherwise known around the pitch as the trash hound. And I rescued her from a program called Puppies for Parole, which the Missouri Department of Corrections puts on in our prisons, and it might be the only good thing happening in prisons at this point in time. It, it is very funny to us that around the office especially because Franny is a bit of a monster uh, <laughs> that you were out in, in search of an emotional support animal and that's how you got Franny <laughs> and now it seems that all you do all day long is emotionally support Franny uh, yeah. instead like it's it is I, I assume it is a two-way street but it seems like uh, you do a lot more work than Franny does yeah I'm definitely up um, the nine to five is seems to be the time of day where I'm definitely her support animal. She does sometimes serve as a support animal on the weekends and in the evenings, but not always. Wonderful. Uh, so now we, we have to do our job because we can't go into the office uh, over Zoom conference every morning, which uh, my, uh, my dad just found out about Zoom because he was excited that this thing meant that he could avoid this really boring meeting he had coming up. <laughs> and they were like, no, we're, we're going to do Zoom. So he has to now download and learn this new thing and he can't get out of meetings and I was like I, I assure you that's how it is for everyone I'm in more meetings now than I've ever been in in my life uh, so at 9.30 a.m. every morning uh, we here at the pitch get together over video chat and usually it starts by Adam asking what we watched the night before because that's about all we can ask about we used to do sort of like a Monday morning meeting and just uh, share with each other what we did over the weekend but now every day is both the weekend but also work but also there's one option for what you can do so it's 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 not even worth it to ask what'd you do last night because we we know couch mm -hmm. Netflix like it's yep. it's unavoidable I, I feel like we could mix it up and ask what you have for dinner last night because we can all eat and we, we all are eating that's all we're doing is eating and watching TV and zooming that's it much like when Adam asks what we've been watching the previous night uh, asking what I ate for dinner I just don't have any memory like, there's no <laughs> memory of anything just like there's no days and no time anymore it's just this big weird cloud which Sure, I can remember what I saw on Netflix mostly. Uh, <laughs> everyone's sad, better. and we're so far apart. <laughs> we are so far apart, so far. What are you? What are you thankful for uh, right now in this time of uh, terrible sadness? My my trash hound, Franny. Uh, as much as she drives me nuts, she's also the sweetest, most loving dog I've ever had, and I've had some pretty darn loving dogs. So that's saying a lot. I'm also thankful for my husband, Adam, most of the time, um, but as a business t partner, 100% of the time. Um, I don't think any spouse or partner in a romantic relationship can say they're always thankful for their partner, and if they are, they're lying. So um, I will say I'm that- I'm always thankful for my partner. I know she's going to listen to this, and I want Viv, 
I'm always thankful for you. <laughs> well, that's between you and her, but I have the feeling that there are some times when you're not. <laughs> I know that. I know that's the case for me. Well, but... we'll look into that another day. Let's sure. leave that one alone for now. <laughs> sure. No, I'm, I'm very thankful for Adam, and especially as a business partner during this time. You know, that's the one thing that we're kind of holding on to is the pitch and having someone who loves the pitch as much, if maybe not more than I do. That's the other thing is that Adam came on board and then he may have surpassed me in his absolute love and passion for this job, which again, is very hard to do. So you both have a uh, pitch based tattoos, don't you? Pretty we, sizable ones. We do, but Adam got his first. So say what you want to say there. I don't know, but he got his first and his is cooler than mine. I like mine. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but his is arguably cooler than mine. What is, what is the thing that you cherish so much about the pitch? The reason that you were so excited to want to own it? Well, I think you felt a little bit of it when Scott Wilson wrote the Charles Feruza memorial piece. And I think it's that collective history of storytelling throughout the years and just the characters and humans who have come through, uh, whether they've passed through and moved on to do something really awesome, or they passed through to do something somewhat awesome, or they passed through to be mediocre. They might be like Jason, who has never left, and we're so thankful for Jason. Um, many of you may know him who is, as- Who is Jason? Yeah, oh. so Jason Dockery. Some people know him as Doc, and some people know him as Jason, and some people know him as Dockery. He kind of goes by all three of those names. But he is our marketing director and has been with The Pitch for over 20 years. In fact, in 2018, one day he casually said, I think that last week was my 20-year anniversary. And I was like, what? And we didn't have a party? So I was really disappointed. So he we... is an overly chill dude. Let's agree to that. Like, oh. Yeah, everything is, is, is much smaller than I would make it. But yes. I'm very big. So you're, you're somewhere in the middle, and that's probably appropriate. Yeah, he's very chill. He's also the healthiest person that works at the pitch, hands down. <laughs> you know what? No disagreement there. <laughs> yeah. He also... Can, can we agree that uh, perhaps it has uh, not been great for the country uh, the, uh, that over the last month... There's just been a, a green light to drink as much as you want every night. Uh. <laughs> yes, I think we're all going to need to rein that one back in a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. So what is it that you hope that the pitch is providing for people during this period that makes us an essential service? Well, news and information. I think some entertainment. I think the pitch has always had an entertainment value that's higher than, say, your daily newspaper. Although I like to think when I worked at a daily, I was super entertaining, but I really, really wasn't. I think that the pitch also provides a sense of continuity. There's something about a 40-year-old publication that many people have come, I would say, in and out of being part of the audience over the years. You know, maybe they moved away for college and then they came back and they were over 21. So then they were like, oh, that pitch that I used to read to find out about bands, I can actually find out about concerts that are 21 and over that I can go to or you know whatever it is I think it's just that consistency of Kansas City that the pitch has just always been there for people for 40 years and uh, I like that sort of sense of stability I, I, I like that you equate us to a sense of normalcy and stability like uh, we are akin to putting on pants in the morning at this point even if you don't have to uh, just 
you know, how life used to work. The pitch will be there, pants will be on. We are the pants of journalism. They can be hot pants. Uh, they're just some form of pantaloon. Pantaloons. I like pantaloons. Yeah. The pantaloons of journalism. Uh, <laughs> so how can people support what the pitch is doing right now? Right now we have a few ways. Of course, you can call us and just, you know, give us money. That works. But we wanted to have some ways that benefited not just ourselves, but the community as a whole. So one of the ways that we um, came up with was to blatantly steal an idea from our friends at the Chicago Reader. And kudos to Tracy because it was a great idea. And that was we had Kansas City artists submit out uh, sketches to be part of a coloring book. Uh, we ended up taking these sketches and compiling them into what turned into two volumes of the Kansas City coloring book. And people can purchase them and download them and color them, and then they can enter them in a contest. Uh, the contest is free, so if you want to color the cover and submit that, you can without purchasing the, the whole book. Uh, but that is one way to support us and local artists, because we are sharing the proceeds with the artists who contributed to the drawings in the coloring book. So that's one way. The other way is we, we know that a lot of people want to help local businesses. And uh, some one of the ways you can help local businesses, aside from buying gift cards to use later on down the road or buying merch or whatever they can sell you that you can actually use now or carry out, is to sponsor them in terms of an advertising sponsor. So what you do is you would sponsor them and say, I'm going to buy a one-fourth page ad on behalf of, and I'm going to use the advertiser that is the closest to me, which is the Green Room, which is a bar in Westport, uh, where previous and hopefully after this, I could be found uh, drinking a cocktail that I even had my own name of a cocktail. So um, off menu. It's I, called... I went to, to support my similar haunt uh, with the Drunken Worm. You uh, did. I are sponsoring theirs. So yeah, we all went for where we, we wish we could be right now, which it, I like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and I would say the, the Drunken Worm um, is a good maybe second or third for me. And I feel like the green room is for you. So our our worlds do kind of um, crisscross in that way that Midtown people find <laughs> their worlds I, I, I also picked up uh, Records with Merit, and I realized that my statement about, like, yes, I've just sponsored the spaces where I would normally be because I miss them uh, really holds up. Yeah, you're just, you might as well just sponsor all of 39th Street, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> That, that is what I should do. Just uh, the whole uh, Volker. There we go. Volker. Uh, just an ad for Volker in general. I I think the Volker Neighborhood Association can get behind you on that after they're um, done gossiping on their Facebook page. <laughs> it's a bad one. It's it's a particularly entertaining one, at least. <laughs> We have a, an interview coming out next week that I did with uh, the person who runs the Best of Next Door account, uh, interviewing them uh, about what uh, the importance of Next Door and a location-based neighborhood communication service is during this time, and uh, how good and how bad that can be when people come together. I am elated about that interview and so excited to hear it. Uh, you had some other ways that people could support the pitch right now? Yes, where was I? I did support a business. I did sponsor a business. Uh, and of course, if you just, again, want to donate after reading a story, we have buttons on our site that allow you to donate uh, in any amount. Uh, you can also become a, a frequent flyer, if you will, with the pitch and uh, donate once a month uh, or once whatever time period you deem works for your, you and your budget. So those are just some ways. And of course, 
if you're a local business that's not hurting right now and you want to advertise, you would get the very, very, very best top of the line advertising service in the pitch right now because candidly, we're not that busy. So we could definitely help you out. Uh, final question here, and and you have to answer honestly. This is a podcast, so it's you've basically been sworn in. Uh, why did you hire me when qualified people exist? Because you said please. All right, that's Stephanie Carey. Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate you being on. Where can people <laughs> find you on social media? They can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at at Queen of Quirky, and. That should do. That should be enough of me to start with, for sure. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good portion. All right, Stephanie, thank you so very much. Thanks, Brock. This is going to be a fun podcast. I'm excited. Okay, that was today's episode of Streetwise. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please rate, review, uh, come back. Please check out all the work that we're doing on thepitchkc.com. Uh, we think that we're an essential service right now, even though... Maybe the government doesn't. Uh, we're trying to provide all the coverage we can give you of, of everything from the very important news to the things that will help distract you. Uh, and uh, we are in the same financial situation as many businesses are here. Uh, we would like to keep the lights on. So if you uh, feel like donating our way, that would be excellent. We have a number of promotions going on, including we have a coloring book that you can download or buy a physical copy of now. Uh, it's, it's all Kansas City artists uh, doing Kansas City designs, and we're splitting the money uh, with all the artists that contributed. So you're helping us. You're helping local artists. Uh, we have a new program where you can sponsor a business. Is there a, a business, a local bar or, or a, a record store or something that, that you miss and you hope they'll be in good shape when we come out of this? You can buy an ad uh, either on our website or in the magazine. We're willing to work with people to make sure that they can help support places that they love and care about in this city. Uh, just get in touch with us via the website and we will figure something out. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. Uh, write me at brock at thepitchkc.com. If you have stories that you want to share with us, uh, writing you want to share with us, a poem, something that you drew... We're trying to show the community what everyone else is going through to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, we're in this together. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Bye.